Hello, you are listening to The Power of Investing in People with Shay Sparks. I had the honor of being on the show with Shay and wow, how authentic she is and how much I know that she wants to keep hope alive in the community. So thank you all for joining. And everyone here today, I'm offering a special to all active duty or retired military to my all access on-demand training where we learn how to dream, believe, and achieve our best life. Please visit at timlanefitness.com and I'll see you all soon. Enjoy the show. From Air Force Colonel to becoming an entrepreneur, Dr. Russ Barnes shares his journey on how once he learned the ropes, he began to teach them. He shares how finding your purpose can also be profitable when you focus on the problems of the people that you serve. Stay tuned for his inspiring story. You won't want to miss it. Welcome to the Power of Investing in People podcast. I am your host, Shay Sparks, Chief Excitement Officer of Sparks of Fire International, where we get you fired up about your life and business by transforming trauma into treasure. Check out my new co-author collaborative book called Hashtag Firestarters, How to Be a Spark of Hope in the Midst of Change on my website, shaysparks.com. And while you're there, I invite you to connect with me on all my social media links like Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, and even YouTube. And today, our guest is the amazing Russ Barnes. Welcome to the show, Russ. Thank you for having me on the show, Shay. I'm so excited about this. So Russ and I met yeah, a little over a year ago at PodFest. That's right. That's right. Yeah, that was my my fourth podcast, and it's just such an amazing environment because I get to meet people like you. Yeah, and we were in the room of a military creator con all day, so I'm so I was like, I think we were. I was running out the door to leave Podfest for the whole entire thing, and I ran into you, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I have to talk to you. So that's right. We were one of the last ones to leave. The the hallways were empty. Empty. We we headed out. We had a great conversation right there in the hallway. We did. We did. And and you gave me your book, which I love. Yeah, yeah, your itty, your amazing itty bitty business book. Small so. business. Yeah. Small business for service members book. 15 things you need to know to be purposefully profitable. And uh, just for clarity, the itty bitty series is a, you know, it's probably about a hundred books in that series. And the idea was simply to publish the highlights instead of a big business book. Yeah. Just publish the highlights. So I, I am it. one book in that in that that series of books, but yeah, small business for service members was what I wanted to get out to the community. I love it. I love it. So for those of you who don't know, Colonel retired Colonel from the Air Force, Doctor Russ Barnes is a chief strategist for Cistro Solutions, an organization development firm specializing in small business. He has more than 30 years experience drawn from military service, small business ownership, executive coaching, strategy development, and organization design consulting. His purposefully, (laughs) I know I'm going to get it wrong, his purposefully profitable program guides small business owners in creating and implementing a customized progression in support of the Purposefully Profitable Program, he produced the Purposefully Profitable Podcast and the Mishing Mapping Workshop. Rush, Russ speaks, man, let me start. Russ speaks publicly on organizing your business for profitable growth and CEO skills for small business. He is the best-selling author of Small Business for Service Members, just like with the book we just talked about. Yes, and a co-author of two best-selling books, Game Changers for Government Contractors and Mission Unstoppable, Extraordinary Stories of Failures, Blessings. Wow, 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 wow. I'm so excited to have you, Russ. It's been a long time in the making, so I'm so glad to have you finally here. And we always start off with the first question of what does investing in people mean to you? It means everything, Shay. At the end of the day, 
we are all on this planet together to support each other, to grow, to fulfill our purposes. And in many cases, we don't, many people don't get to do that even throughout their life. So not only was I focused on mentorship during my time on active duty, I have four sons and my wife, and I'm really focused on helping them to become the best citizens, the best people that they can be, you know, by sharing all the things that that I've experienced throughout life. And several years ago, my motto, my personal motto became live and learn, learn then teach. Uh, because the idea was that I have some some just unique experiences. And the more I share those experiences with people, the more they can in, you know incorporate those into their lives. And I'm always looking to learn from anybody and everybody. I don't I don't care who you are, what your status is or what your experience is or, you know, where you are in life. You know, if I see somebody who's who's homeless on the side of this, the, the, the road, they have something to teach me. And hopefully I can have something to teach them that would change both of our circumstances. So investing, investing in people just means absolutely everything. And the, the last thing I want to say on, on this point is that people hire people and people do business with people they know, like, and trust. Mm-hmm. And it has nothing to do with the paper. It has nothing to do with the product. It has nothing to do with, you know, with, with those things, except that, when we invest in people, then those things become better along the way. Mm. So true. So true. And I love the, what you said, the live and learn and then learn, then teach. Yes. Live and learn, learn, then teach. I believe that's like the essence of who we are. Mm-hmm. And yet so many of us don't do that. Right. Mm-hmm. And and I feel like for one, it's like once you learn something about yourself, then it is your duty or responsibility to then share it. Because once you gain the knowledge, when you share it, it becomes wisdom. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, too many of us, and this is this is nature, and there's nothing wrong with it. But too many of us. Um, find that we need to use the knowledge that we've acquired to generate some revenue into our lives, you know? Mm. And I mean, if you start looking at, you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, the first level of that is survival. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we only have so many resources available to us to be able to, you know, earn the type of money we need to earn to live live the lifestyle that we want to live. So it is value. And I know, and I understand that when I'm sharing What's on my mind when I'm sharing the benefit of all of these books that I've read and all these experiences that I've had that I'm delivering value. And there are some people who will return that value and there are some people who will not return that value. But I don't worry about that part of it. I just worry about the part that I only have so many years uh, left on this planet. Mm -hmm. And if I don't share my value, then where does it end up? Mm. That's so true. You know, it's a great question. If when we don't share, where does it go? It mm-hmm. it stops, right? It just kind of stops with you. It stops right there. It stops right there. And then no one gets the benefit uh, of it. And the other thing that I've learned is that when you do share your value and, you know, you can put it in terms of karma or other things like that. But when you do share your value, it does tend to come back to you. And mm-hmm. it may not come back to you from the person you shared your value with. But it will certainly come back to you from some other unexpected direction. And that's why it's just so important to invest in people. And then the other thing about investing in people, Shay, is when you do that, you are setting them onto a trajectory that will go miles and miles beyond what you ever expected. And and at some point later in your life, they may happen to come back to you and say, you know, that thing you told me. That those many years ago has made my life phenomenal and amazing. And we may, you may or may not ask me this question, but I'm going to throw this in here right yeah. quick because it's the idea of, of people in my past who have given me pieces of advice. Hmm. And one of the best pieces of advice that I ever received was when I was on active duty, I was a captain, I was an 03. And I saw a Lieutenant Colonel that I, I, I respected for 
the things that he had accomplished. And I went up to him at a social event and I said, you know, what would you um, share with me in terms of how you were able to do what you did? And and I'll give you a little bit of a backstory because I think it's it's, it's important. I was in 03 in the B-52 mm-hmm. aviation community and in the squadron of 200 people, there were only two of us who were black. This young, this lieutenant colonel was a maintenance officer, but he was black. And I had just never. Now, I want to step back and and tell you a little bit about the backstory a little bit. And I was a B-52 radar navigator in the uh, bomber community and in a squadron of 200 people, there were only two of us who were black. So certain things I had just not not seen. I had not seen a black B-52 aircraft commander. I had not seen, you know, very high ranking black officers. And so I'm an O3, I'm a captain, and this individual was a lieutenant colonel. And so I was very interested to understand how he was able to you know, achieve that that rank. And that's a pretty significant rank. You know, I ended up retiring as a full colonel, but that was a significant rank to me at that time. And to see someone who looked like me and was able to get that done, I said, I, I need to understand, you know, what his mindset was. So I, I went up to him at the social event and I said, you know, what type of advice would you give me to help me to, you know, maybe someday, you know, be able to achieve that. And he said three words to me. And then he walked away. And those three words were do your homework. Mm, interesting. To be honest, it took me about a couple of years before I really understood what he meant. Mm-hmm. But once I understood what he meant, it was such a powerful uh, thing for me to to do that I have followed that advice in everything I've done from that point forward. And what he meant was always be prepared for whatever things may come your way. Mm -hmm. And the best way is for you to do your homework, you know, make sure that you have researched, studied, understood, talked to people, found out every detail. And, and so that was incredible wisdom that he shared with me. And as you can see, because of those three words that he gave to me at that point in time, you know, I retired as a full colonel. I decided to go into business when I retired from the military. I've been in business for about 10 years. And along the way, I was able to get my PhD. And all of these things were not necessarily achievements that I set out to accomplish. They were the result mm. of me doing my homework under all circumstances. Now, from that point forward in the military, I never took a job for the purpose of being promoted. I took a job because it was something that I thought was going to make a contribution in the best way I could make a contribution and that it would be something that was interesting, fascinating, and most importantly, something that I would learn from. And mm. the outcome and the result was that I was able to continue to get promoted until I made the decision to leave. So take us back to Russ going through, you know, you're, you know, you're going to be retiring, you know, you're going to leave. And now you're thinking, okay, what else is out there? What else do I do besides the Air Force? You knew that, or you said you started a business, but did you know that you wanted to go into business or did you, were you thinking of, you know, getting the job, so to speak, as most people do? I absolutely knew I wanted to go into business because when I was young, when I was a kid, I became entrepreneurial. And I ask people often to tell me their defining experience. What is it that makes you do what you do? And what, what is it that guides your decisions along the way? to make choices about what you do. Mm-hmm. And my defining experience happened when I was in the third grade. And I, you know, I, I didn't have a pair of sneakers for gym class. And the teacher told me that if I didn't come to class with sneakers on that, he was going to fail me. Mm. And I didn't want to ask my father because I'm one of eight. I'm the wow. third of eight. And my father was a truck driver. So there wasn't a lot of money to, to go around. And I knew that it was going to be, you know, a very difficult conversation for me as a eight-year-old. Right. <laughs> I asked my mother to intervene and she said, no, <laughs> you need the sneakers. You need to go ask your dad. And, yeah. uh, and I didn't want to do it. And, and I don't think I did. I, I found another way. But at that point, I realized that I wanted to be able to provide for myself, mm-hmm. you know? And so at that point I started 
really trying to find ways to make money on my own to to get the things that I needed on my own without having to ask. When you fast forward, going to college was something that my father always emphasized. But again, being the third of eight with two older brothers who had already gone to college because they were five and six years older than I was, I knew there was no money. Mm. The uh, ROTC program, the, the, the various services contacted me about their ROTC programs because I'd done well on the SATs. And that turned into a scholarship opportunity. So I got an ROTC scholarship. My plan was to spend four years on active duty and then go out and make some real money. Uh-huh. That was my that was my goal in life to to have the security of being able to provide for myself. Yeah. Uh, and 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 so I was always I always had that mindset. Well, <laughs> I stayed in the military for twenty seven years wow. instead of instead of four. Right. Leadership was a large reason why I stayed uh, in the military for as long as I did. Uh, I became fascinated with it. But when I came towards the end of my career, I realized that as a strategic thinker, the environment made it very difficult for me to, to continue on because with the assignment cycle, you're in a job for at most three years. Mm. And during that period of time, you have to make an impact. And if you don't, then you're not going to get promoted to the next to the next rank, in which case you have no more value to the service. You know, if you, if you don't pay attention to that, you have no more value, you know, in, in an increasing way. And I said, well, I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to I don't want to be a short term thinker because the environment uh, dictates it. Mm-hmm. I also realized that in, outside the military, in the corporate world, there was also the same dynamic driven by shareholder requirements and driven by quarterly returns and it was going to drive the same mentality and I didn't want to go back into that mentality so that said to me um, you have to find a different way to make money and I looked at different things I wanted to be an options trader a <laughs> what out. options trader options trader okay Got didn't it. work out so well <laughs> <laughs> uh, so business was a way for me to be able to control my ability to earn for mm-hmm. me to gain the benefits and the rewards based upon my skills, talents, abilities, my my intellect, my hard work, you know, all of those things I felt if I worked as hard for myself in my own business as I did when I was on active duty in the military, yeah. and I, I had a pretty good chance of being successful. And I know there were no guarantees. And when I looked at the two options, the one option to go corporate and probably earn a pretty significant salary, which is really what my wife wanted me to do. Or go into business for myself, I realized that both paths were going to be challenging and going to be mm-hmm. difficult. Going the corporate route, I felt that I would then be subject to someone else's decisions on my behalf. So if right. the economy went bad and they decided that they had to downsize, they would let me go at the worst possible time for me and my family. Mm-hmm. Well, if I was successful in building my own company, then I would be the one who would have to figure out how to weather changes ups and downs in the economy and the only person who could fire me would be me so in choosing one of two difficult paths i felt that the path of becoming an entrepreneur was the one that would provide me with the more security uh, that i was personally looking for so yes i knew very clearly very passionately very strongly uh, that I wanted to be an entrepreneur and one of the things that you'll see in the book is that i say with very very uh, strong passion in the first chapter. When I retired from the military, my vi- my vision was this: I would never work for anyone ever again. <laughs> I love so, that. So, so no, yes, I knew that that was the path I wanted to go. Now, I did explore options for working in the corporate environment. And what I found was interesting is that they would say, you know, well, you have a really great resume. You have a strong background. You have solid skills, but we just don't see a fit for you in our company. And I thought, wow, well, that's interesting. And then I thought, but that's great because now I have an excuse when my wife asked me why to get a job. <laughs> so, yes. Well, speaking I of that. Awesome. And and to kind of just tag in what you just said. That because you tried something, you kind of knew exactly what you wanted to do. And your first chapter in this book is about clarity. So do you think clarity comes from automatically knowing or do you think clarity comes from being able to 
experience different things, explore options, really just going out and figuring out, figuring it out yourself kind of a thing. That's exactly it, Shay. Clarity comes from very painful, in some (laughs) cases, very long, um, long, in some cases, very long uh, soul searching to identify uh, who you are. Yeah. And, 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 and it's not easy. It's really, really not easy, but you have to be purposeful and intentional about it if you're going to ever get there. Mm-hmm. And I'm an introvert. So introspection and mm-hmm. self-reflection yes. and, and, and being in my head is what I do and is what introverts do. Extroverts tend to learn while they speak. So they're verbalizing and then they're externalizing and they're getting feedback from the, the, the outside. But introverts won't let it escape from their brain until they have really worked it out. Mm-hmm. So I took a lot of assessments and I love, I'm actually what you might call an assessment junkie. I've taken the Myers-Briggs, <laughs> I've taken the DISC, I've taken Herman mm-hmm. Brain, I've taken, you know, you name it, Core Map, mm-hmm. uh, Fascinate, you name it. I've probably taken it, TTI. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't, you take the assessment to identify myself or yeah. to, or to, to figure out who I am. I take the assessments to get the language to explain. Mm. I take the assessments to compare what I know about myself to what the assessment is, is telling me. And there are some parts of an assessment that I will reject. But there are also some parts of the assessment that I will go, that is exactly me. That is, wow. Now I can explain it. Now I understand it. And now I can bring the power of it to the things that, that I'm doing. And I'll give you an example. One of my favorite assessments is strength finders. I think they call it Gallup now. Yep. I was just going to mention that one. Absolutely. So what are your top three? It's a strategic, it's achievement and it's learning. Mm. A learner, learner is the top one, and that one just completely 100% resonated with me. Achievement is mm-hmm. one that really resonated with me, and and that's the one I wanted to talk about because for a long time I thought that me being achievement oriented was a flaw, mm. and that I should be more focused on, you know, on on the, the the outward and the helping rather than to complete this course. If I ever started a course of study. I was not going to stop. I was not going to quit until I completed it. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and I thought, man, you know, sometimes it can be a waste of time to just pursue a certificate. But, yes. But I'm like, man, if I start it, I'm going to finish it. Mm. When I took Strength Finders and mm-hmm. I read what it said about achievement and achievement orientation mm-hmm. and that that was a very powerful thing. It changed my person. It changed my mentality about who I was. And I began to then value my drive for achievement. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and it has, it has served me really well. Now I still don't go after stuff just to have it. I didn't go after a PhD to have PhD, the three letters and to have somebody call me doctor. That was far beyond whatever, what I was interested in. I was just trying to solve a very challenging problem in that, that framework of learning how to create new knowledge was the one that facilitated me being able to move to the next level of um, being able to deliver the services that I needed to deliver. Mm. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I've taken a lot of those as well. And Gallup Definitely is one that I actually almost considered becoming a Gallup coach. Yes. <laughs> it's like, oh, well, now that you, you know, you live, you learn and now you got to teach it. Right. So right. <laughs> I was That's like, right. well, maybe I should do that. And I, I'm actually not anything against Gallup. It just wasn't for me. But the funny thing is, is that the only one that I can re- recall of mine is woo. Oh, yes. <laughs> and winning others over. Yeah. And it's, for me, it's also about just being, you know, helping yes, and guiding and being a, like being a teacher kind of role. Right. And so it's funny that this is now where I am in, in interviewing you who is, you know, very similar. So, yeah, I want to say this too, that it, it all, taking these assessments also helps me guard against 
the things that would be downsides for me. Mm. So when I took the Gallup and I realized that learner was my number one, number one, first of all, yes, absolutely. I connected with that immediately, but it also said that I am a person who would learn for learning's sake. Ah, And so I have to guard against that to say, am I reading this book because it's going to help me to perform better? Or am I simply reading this book because I just love what it's teaching me? (laughs) And so I have to, so what I do now is I prioritize the books that I have on my list and I say, okay, I'm reading this book because it's going to help me to do this better. And if there's a book that I find that I think would be interesting, but it's not going to contribute to me being able to deliver services at a higher level, then I'll put that off. I'll just set it aside and and, and drop it down in the queue. So I, I love that you were really did your homework and yes. really, really finding not only who you are, but also finding what works for you in order to move forward. And so in doing that and knowing that you wanted to start a business, did it matter what business you started? Did you research and do your homework? I'm assuming in that realm as well. Or did you just go, hey, I think I'll, you know, bright and shiny object over there. I'll think I'll do that one. Nope, I, I did my homework. Uh, mm-hmm. I, did, I did great homework. I started out by taking courses with the Small Business Administration. Every course they had, I took. I mean, that was great. Some were free, some were $20, $25, but I took them all. And then I started looking at myself again and saying, what is my marketable skill? What is my marketable talent? We talk. I talk about that in the Clarity chapter in this book also, where I say, people will tell you, do what you love. And find a way to get paid for doing what you love and you'll never work a day in your life. Mm -hmm. And I talk about in the book that I love watching TV, (laughs) but but nobody is going to pay me to watch TV, at least not in a way that I could figure out at the time. Right. right. (laughs) Maybe now, maybe somebody's figured it out and they can tell me. But uh, so what I say in the book is you have to find a marketable skill that you, you know, find what you love to do that is marketable. And then you'll never have to work a day in your life. So I started down that path and saying, okay, well, what, who am I? What do I do? What is my skill? What is my value? And mm-hmm. I couldn't figure it out. I absolutely could not figure it out. I took courses. I took a class called um, business to government, figuring that I'd been in the military for all this time. I'd done things with the corporations like Northbrook Grumman and Raytheon. And we, I had relationships with people in those companies. Mm-hmm. And so I started looking at business to government, thinking that might be a path. And I took this course and after paying, you know, about three grand for the course, I realized that um, I wasn't ready for that, for mm-hmm. that environment. And uh, I said, I needed more business acumen. I needed more business savvy. I needed more business experience. Mm-hmm. There was a lot that I needed before I could jump into that pool. And I didn't have partners. I didn't have someone else who was going to go in with me who had that type of business experience and savvy and was willing to bring me on board. So I had to go a different direction. And I decided to go into a franchise Mm. because I had some money uh, set Mm -hmm. aside that I could use to buy into a franchise. And that would give me some experience within somebody else's framework. So I never intended to have the franchise as my forever business. It was just more of a master's degree for me in business. And actually, it turned out to be like from kindergarten (laughs) on up. <laughs> um, because the amount of money I had only enabled me to buy into a mobile business. And then the mobile business turned out to be leather restoration and vinyl repair, which I knew nothing about mobile. I knew nothing about leather restoration and vinyl repair, but my philosophy and my optimism said, well, how hard could it be, you know, mm-hmm. to figure that out? And then from the learning perspective, my, my idea was, well, I'll learn as much as I need to be able to teach someone else how to do it. And then I will build a labor force of people who would actually do the work. And that was my intent. But as it turned out, uh, I ended up being the technician for a couple of years because <laughs> it was a very um, difficult skill to master. It was artistic. Right. And I'm left-brained uh, analytic. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to figure out an analytical way to do artistic work. And it was just really, really uh, challenging. And then I had great difficulty finding people who were able to come in and do that type of work because down here in Florida, you're working outside, you know, Mm. you know, redying someone's, you know, car seat and it's hot and it's, and it's, it's, it's just, 
bad. And so you can't keep people in by the time you get them trained, they're ready to quit. Sure. <laughs> so, so that's, so I went into that particular franchise because the franchisor was invested in the franchisees. Mm. He had a vision. He had a mission. He wanted to grow his company uh, to 800 franchisees. He was currently at 200. He was, he, he was expanding into the United States and there were only two franchisees here in all the state of Florida. So I felt like there was a lot of opportunity there sure. and it would do a couple of things for me. It put me in business because my thoughts at the time was that no one would take me seriously about being a business owner if I was just standing on the sidelines saying, hey, I want to be in business. Help me out. Tell me mm -hmm. what to do. I said, but if I'm in business, then we could have real conversations about what I was experiencing and sure. they could help me on a much better way. And then I also felt that in the process, I would learn who I was in the business environment. And I would be around business people and I could see what they were doing and I could say, oh, that's what I want. That's what I like to do. And those are all the reasons why I, I went into that. Um, as you can see, I'm very intentional about the things that I do. And I try to share that with other people, too, within within Sister. And we'll probably talk about this a little bit later, because I believe you can be intentional. And so many people mm -hmm. don't believe they can. And so they just jump in and try to figure it out as they go along. Well, I think, you know, Russ, you hit the, the nail on the head. It's really, for me, it's about being intentional in order to find clarity. Mm -hmm. Going yes. back to that first question of the clarity. Mm -hmm. So even though you, you know, took that experience, you were intentional about what it is that you were, the lessons that you were learning, really, in order to uh, help you with your own clarity and what it is that you wanted to do with your goals. Because as we know, as business owners, our goals shift. You know, we think we want to be a franchisee and then they shift and you veer on to, you know, starting your own company. Mm -hmm. So the first uh, first clarity that I had was that I wanted to be an entrepreneur. It was no more detailed than that. Mm -hmm. And I gave you the story about how I came to that point. But I knew I wanted to be entrepreneur. So what it did was it enabled me to start asking the right questions. Yes. The very first question is, well, what do entrepreneurs do? How do they think? Mm. What do they you know? Just all these questions about being an entrepreneur. And I could start asking those questions and start researching those questions. I learned along the way that an entrepreneur and a business uh, owner are related, but they're actually two different things when you break it down. And so I started asking all the right questions and then you begin again to start mm -hmm. gaining clarity. You know, you start getting the answers to these questions and wow, okay, now I understand. And like I said, it was a, it was a bit of clarity for me to understand the difference between an entrepreneur and a business owner. And the way I characterize it is an entrepreneur is someone who has the capacity to turn things into money. And a business owner has the capacity to take something that uh, is generating revenue or making money and turn it into a sustainable ongoing operation or a type of an entity. And I learned that I was a really, really good business owner, which makes sense coming out of the military, mm -hmm. but I was an awful entrepreneur. <laughs> and, and, and I think that many veterans, military service members suffer the same thing because we're not profit driven. Right. And that that really makes it difficult to be to be an entrepreneur. And we really do have to go through a mindset shift mm -hmm. before we can we can do that. But once you've gone through that mindset shift, then then we can bring all those other skills, talents and experiences to bear. Well, let's talk about that mindset shift for uh, just a brief moment. So what. How well? First of all, how do you even start to know that you need a, to shift your mindset? And second of all, what is a process that you did that really worked for you in order to shift it? Mm -hmm. Because you're gonna you're gonna hit a wall. You're gonna hit you're gonna hit wall after wall after wall after wall after wall. And what's interesting is that you know as you get better, you you hit you hit a bigger wall. Mm -hmm. And then you, so that's what tells you that you need a mindset shift. Mm -hmm. 
because what gets you to, you know, a million dollars in annual revenue in your company is not going to be what gets you to 10 million. And what gets you to 10 million is not going to be what gets you to 100 million. Right. So every time you reach a new plateau, you can, you know, a comfort zone, you can choose to stay there or you can choose to to go to a higher level. And and when you decide, when you make the decision based upon a desire to change your current state, then you're going to have to go through some type of a mindset shift to figure out uh, how do I actually get to that next level. And so that's how it has been for me. So the first goal for me was to become an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. And as I started to walk down that path and then realized that the type of communication that I was very good at in the military was not the type of communication that would enable me to be a most effective business owner. Mm. And I needed a mindset shift. I needed to figure out, okay, then if I can't speak to civilians the way I spoke to, you know, general Mm. officers in the military, how do I speak to civilians? Mm -hmm. So I joined Toastmasters and Toastmasters was a way for me to um, shift the way I was communicating with people. And it was very effective. I've been at Toastmasters for hmm, Mm. I joined in 2009. So 2021, we're talking about 11, 12 years. That's awesome. Yeah. And, And it has helped me tremendously because most people don't know what Toastmasters does, but it's about communication and leadership. Mm -hmm. It's not, there's a component of helping people who have a fear of speaking, but it's a very small component. The major component of uh, Toastmasters is communication and leadership. Mm. So that was one of the things I was able to do. And then the other, so talking about some of the other mindset shifts, when I started in with that franchise, I had these massive ideas of how I was going to generate a million dollars in annual revenue with this build, with this business. And I'd broken it down and I'd figured it out and I'd done my homework and I knew what it would take. But then I hit the reality of this was in 2009. So Mm. of course the economy wasn't really doing that great. So then I hit the reality of what it would really take. And, and and I had to shift from thinking like a Colonel to Mm. thinking like a, a business owner. And, and that was a huge, huge, huge shift. Sure. And it was also a shift for people around me because they were looking at me saying, wait a minute, you're a retired colonel and now you're fixing people's stuff. <laughs> what are you doing? You know, mm. And they didn't get it because they looked at me then as a technician, mm-hmm. but I was looking at myself as a CEO. Right. And so some people got it eventually. But most people didn't. But I had to have the mindset shift to say, I'm a second lieutenant again in business. I'm not a colonel. I'm a second lieutenant. You know, people would tell me a mentor I had told me, hey, you should use colonel. You should put it on. Tell people you're colonel. And I said, but I'm doing leather restoration and vinyl repair. Where's the relevance? (laughs) (laughs) And so, yeah, so as you as you hit walls then you are going to recognize that, you know what, in order for me to get to that next level, I'm going to have to um, change something. Which, you know, really to me, what you just described is one of my favorite leadership values that I hold dear to my heart is uh, integrity. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love that you said that because I think most people, when they think about integrity, they think, being trustworthy and being, you know, transparent in what Mm -hmm. you do. But when I think about integrity, and I think this is the word way in which you use that word is it's being together in terms of everything you do, you know, it's Mm -hmm. integrated. It's, It's like, it's integrated. It's yeah. Yes. And it's really about, you know, you as the CEO still doing the work of, Oh yeah. You know, somebody who is a technician, right? right? Because that you have integrity for your business. Yeah. And and that's how I look at it. So for me, as uh, in my background, you know, I I worked for a salon that the CEO came in and, you know, he swept up hair one day and everybody was like, oh, my God, what are you doing sweeping up hair? And he's like, 
I know how to do that too. (laughs) (laughs) I I know how to run the business and be in the business, not just run the business, you know? Yeah. And that just really shifted me, totally shifted me. And he talked about it actually at a a meeting that we had that it's about doing the right thing, even when no one is looking. That's it. Yes. Yes. Yes, exactly. And, and, and that is important. And, you know, people, We'll do what you say if you have that type of influence or you have that type of authority, but more people will do what they see you do when they can see that it's connected you to success. Mm-hmm. And, I, and so that integrity of walking in and saying, you know what, you know, sweeping floors is something that we all do. Right. And, and, and if you can do it, I can do it. Yes. And and in some cases, people will say, I'll never ask you to do something that I won't do myself. Yes. And there's some there's some truth in that. But the reality is that sometimes you will have to ask people to do things that you won't do yourself because they're better at it. Mm, and you have sure. and that's part of it, too. You have to acknowledge that you can't be the best person at every job or everything or every aspect. And you have to know when someone else is better and you have to give them the lead Mm -hmm. so that they can take that thing to a level that you could never uh, achieve or aspire to. And, and I think that's part of, you know, part of the leadership equation as well as knowing when that is. And then it does also come back to what we started talking about, which was Mm self-awareness and and clarity and clarity, Yes, you know, having clarity on who you are, what you do best and being, um, courageous enough to say, you know what, you're better at this than me. I'll follow your lead. Which brings me to your purposefully profitable program. And, you know, it just makes me think, so how can someone that's listening, what advice would you give them that they are, you know, pursuing a business, they're pursuing really, you know, to be an entrepreneur? How do you, what advice would you give them to make it purposeful. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I find when I work with the majority of clients in the purposefully profitable program, as well as mission mapping is you start out trying to solve your own personal problem. You know, I did it. Mm -hmm. I needed more money. I'm retiring from the military. I needed to replace income. I wanted autonomy. I wanted to be able to make the decisions that I wanted to, to, to have in my own life. I wanted to live my own lifestyle. But again, nobody's going to pay you for that. They're going to pay you to solve their painful problem. Mm-hmm. So the advice that I would give to uh, many business owners and, and many of them that I work with also, to a certain de- degree, they resist this advice. And it's you need to focus on the problems of the people you can best serve. Mm. You know, they are struggling. They are hurting. There's something in there that is requiring them to seek relief. And if they believe that you are the one who can help them, then they're more likely to pay for the value that you can bring. And I like to use the example of a dentist. No one argues with the dentist when they have a toothache about how much he's going to charge or she's going to charge. (laughs) It's like, fix this pain and fix it now. And Mm -hmm. then send me the bill. (laughs) Right. You know, you might do a little research and say, hey, who's the who's the best dentist and, and what do they charge? And you might try to get some of that information up front before you go in. But once you walk in the door, you're not going to negotiate with the dentist and say, hey, can you kind of do this for a little less than, than this or that? And it's the same in business. When you are helping someone to solve a, a, a really painful problem, they will the, 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 the price of that service and that help is not an issue. It's not part of the conversation. Yeah. And so... Thinking about it from that perspective, it's almost like a destination. My mm-hmm. goal, my goal is to help as many people with this problem as I can. And now you have directionality. And that's, that's the, the, the main point I want to make is when you are not looking at the community of people you want to help and you're looking at solving your own personal problem, you really don't have any directionality. And anything that comes along seems to be a great idea. And then you become distracted, you become unfocused, mm-hmm. you, you don't have the type of resolve you need. When you wake up in the morning, you're not sure about what it is that you want to do. And all of those things have a negative impact on your ability to be successful in your business. But when you know 
that that person has a problem and you wake up and every day you say, you know what, I want to help that person mm. solve their problem. This is the problem. This is my solution. This is how I've packaged it as a product with a price that makes sense for both them and for me. Yeah. When you have those pieces in place, then all of a sudden clarity becomes key. Absolutely. And, 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 and everything else begins then to work itself out because you, you're, you're, you're going in the right direction. You're going in the direction of your choosing. So I love that you are doing, you're really helping small business owners, you know, make their, their purpose profitable. Mm-hmm. And so then you started a podcast around that same thing. Yes. Yes. So what was your thought process in, in the reasoning for starting it? When I, started down the path of helping the business owners. It was because of an experience that I had, again, another defining experience. And it was seeing business owners who were struggling to generate enough revenue to live the lifestyle that they wanted when they started in business. Mm -hmm. And they were doing everything they'd been taught. They were doing everything they'd been told, but they just weren't getting out of that pre-profitability stage. And I didn't understand. And I was in it myself. Mm. And uh, because I had these visions of generating a million dollars in annual revenue in my business and I had a plan and I had a goal and I had, you know, uh, all these things and I wasn't getting there and I didn't know what the problem was. So it was as much my problem as it was the other people that I saw around me. So I spent a couple of years working with business owners to try to figure out how I could help Mm. and the first couple of years actually was really figuring out if it was a real problem that um, was not being solved or addressed by other things that were available, you know, all the free services that were available. Mm-hmm. And so I spent a couple of years validating that this was a real problem. Mm-hmm. And then it took about another year or 18 months or so before I had an idea of what a solution might be. And then I went into the PhD program. Mm. By the time I got into that program, I had I had a very deep understanding of myself and I knew that strategy and organization were my strengths and that whatever solution I came up with would have to be focused within strategy and organization and organization development was something that I was sort of new mm-hmm. to to learning and I'd created a model because big businesses had models that they yeah. used to make yeah. decisions Well, small business owners didn't have any models that Mm -hmm. I could find. So I took a big business model and I reshaped it to a small business mindset Mm -hmm. to to, to drive a small business mindset. And I went into the PhD program with the intent to prove that model and demonstrate that it would that it would work. During the PhD program, I learned that even though that was an effective model, it didn't get to what I really wanted the business owners to get to, which was rapid revenue. Mm -hmm. Even with using that model, there was still a lag between once they understood how it worked and then once they saw results. And I wanted to get them there faster. So in the process of going through the Ph.D. program, building on the things that I'd already read and all the books I'd already learned, I started gathering a phenomenal volume of information and knowledge. Mm -hmm. And I said, I need to get this out. I need Mm -hmm. to get people to start understanding some of these philosophies that I had begun to understand. And so that was when I wrote the book mm-hmm. while I was still in my PhD program. Wow. And that's when I started the podcast while nice. I was still in my PhD program. And I decided to do a content only podcast rather than interviews mm-hmm. because I didn't have time to do interviews, but I did have time to record you know, what, what, what I started out was I said, I'm going to do 15 minute episodes. Mm -hmm. So I did have time to record 15 minute episodes uh, while I was doing everything else that I was doing. And the fact that I was gathering all this information through my PhD program, and then my PhD program was a scholar practitioner program. So it wasn't academically designed to make me a professor. It was designed to bridge the gap between theory and 
and practice. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the reasons I selected the program I chose. So I had all this information and pumping it into the uh, podcast was one of the ways that I was able to get it out to the community. Again, like we started in the beginning, share your value, live and learn, learn and teach. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was the purpose behind uh, creating the Purposefully Profitable podcast. And so I shaped it as an experiment as well. So I took the model that I had originally gone into the PhD program with. In the program, I created another model. So I cross-matched those models. And then I set up Money Math Monday because I figured you're in business. You need to understand the money math. Right. So I had Tips and Techniques Tuesday, Words of Wisdom Wednesday, Teach Yourself Thursday, which is reading a, book, um, a, a podcast about books, and then mm-hmm. Fame and Fortune Friday which is about entrepreneurs of excellence who have used these basic principles and succeeded at a very high level financially. Nice. So, so that was the, so it turned out to be a 150 episode series over 30 weeks. I did five days, five days a week. They turned out to be about 10 minutes per episode Mm -hmm. because 10 minutes is a lot of content. I didn't realize that, but 10 (laughs) minutes is a lot of content. Yeah. So, so they ended up being about 10 minutes each. And, and, and it's still out there. It's an evergreen series mm-hmm. and I still have people who are listening to it and people who are commenting to it, um, commenting on it and people who are becoming clients uh, because of it. Mm. And I did that podcast series back in 2017. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's paid tremendous, tremendous dividends. And I did 150 episodes five days a week and I never missed an episode. Good for you. Well, I'm not surprised. <laughs> I'm not surprised at all that you didn't miss an episode. Didn't miss an episode. It's that surprised. achievement. It's that achievement uh-huh. mentality that I exactly. have. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, I, I love what you're, you know, you've shared because it's really about the journey, just like you said. So my own, I was started coaching because I thought I needed to help women who had been abused relationships really be able to transform themselves and be able to transform the relationships with the reason they were with that abuse, not the actual person they were with, but it's familiar. So what was it that would, you know, where did you start in life? Maybe it was a family member or something that it was familiar with and be able to transform that as well into a treasure or take it and be able to use their mess as a message. I love that. I love that. You know, you said that before you turn your mess into a message and, you know, in the purposefully profitable program, what you just said is where we start Mm -hmm. because now you have resolve, you have determination, you have dedication. You're going to put every energy you have into building this business and you're not going to quit because you realize that if you quit, there are going to be women out there who are going to suffer, mm-hmm. who are going to be in situations of, of, of extreme pain, and they have nowhere to go. And if you don't, if you're not there for them, then there is no one there for them. The other side of that is that this isn't a, this isn't a painful journey for you from the perspective of when you help these women and you see them change their situation, that gives energy back to you. Mm -hmm. So everything you do is energizing you to continue moving forward. And I used to think, how can somebody build a business and just stay in the business for 20 years? I mean, doesn't it get boring? Doesn't it get tiresome? Don't they get, you know, want to just go in some case, do something different. Mm. But when I found what I wanted to, who I wanted to help, Mm-hmm. And I realized that they're in pain. And if I don't do what I'm doing, mm-hmm. there's never going to be a solution. I don't get, t- there's no getting tired of that. Right. You know? Well, I was going to say those wins for other people is what fuel us. It's what energizes as it gets us fired up, which is, you know, my whole business. And so since we actually talked a year ago, everything has totally shifted. That's why I was in the military creator con. It is now helping military transition into um, civilian life of what is their purpose? Mm -hmm. How is it that you want to show up? What do you want to, how do you want to take the, uh, I don't want to call it a mess and I don't want to call it a trauma, but how do you want to take your experiences, what you've done and now make it into a treasure. Mm-hmm. Make it into your message. What do you want to do with that now? Yeah. And it's like, I don't even, you know, it, it's so funny. It was like one conversation and then food, the doors open. Yes. 
and, yeah, yeah. and uh, that's how, again, that's how we met. And so yes. it's just amazing to me to see when you are, when you're in your purpose, mm-hmm. how mm-hmm. freely doors will open. And, and let me say this too, when I was uh, doing my PhD dissertation, and I think I showed you, you know, what, what that was all about. So yes. that's, that's the organization designed for small business, a discovery of business fundamentals for executing a purposeful path to profitability. I studied business owners who had gone from zero to a hundred million in annual revenue. They'd mm. grown their companies. And I focused on what they did in the pre-profitability stage to position themselves for that type of success. And that was the essence of my study. And one of the things that I learned was none of them, not one of them, ever had money as the motivation mm-hmm. for their business. Yep. They were always motivated to do something more significant. And the money was the byproduct yes. of the number of people they served. And there's a book I love called The Go-Giver. Yes. And there's the law of compensation that says, you know, your income is determined by how many people you serve and how well you serve them. Yes. And that was what I recognized during my study is that they were serving people and serving a lot of people. And so therefore, you know, the money flowed in, but every single one of them and, and, and you know, they would be asked a question, so now that you are a multimillionaire or a billionaire, how has that changed your life? And you go, not much. Right. You know, I have bigger toys and, you know, and I can, you know, not worry about, you know, paying the bills, but I'm still the same person I was when, when I started. It's all about, it's all about making the difference, having the impact. You know, we're running, we're getting close to the end, but I just yes. really want to touch on what you just said. And it's one of my, all-time favorite keywords to go along with purpose and it's serve. Yes. And so many people think about what is it that I can get? Mm-hmm. And it's really about, I've, for me, it's when you have a purposeful business is really about how are you serving? Yes. And who are you serving? Exactly. Yeah. So one of the things I try to focus my clients on very early on is How do you get through the money stage? Because you have to. And my goal is to get you through the money stage as rapidly as possible. So then you can have a bigger picture in terms of what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Because one of the challenges that I faced when I was in that situation was I I had bills to pay. And, you know, I would hire a coach and the coach would charge me a whole lot of money and tell (laughs) me a whole lot of great things but never really helped me to make money. And I'm sitting there, my brain is screaming. Yes. You, this is great. This is great. This is great. But I have pills to pay and I can't keep paying you if I'm not making more money. So help me make some money. And then we can talk about all the other things. So that's one of the reasons why the Purposefully Profitable Program is called what it's called. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's shaped the way it's shaped is because in stage one, we focus on a revenue strategy. Let's get the money piece added away. Once we get that piece solidified and you have a revenue stream that you can depend upon and that you can budget against, then we go into stage two, which is where we make that revenue stream recession proof. Mm-hmm. And then you can now begin to free your mind and go, okay, my bills are paid. It's never, it's never going to be stable. Mm-hmm. You know, you, things are always going to change around you, but at least you'll be able to think more effectively and be more creative when you don't have to worry about you know, how am I going to pay my bills? Hmm. So, yeah. And so it's still not about the money right. because, it, because the other thing we do is we, we look at the money, we break it down, we figure out how much you need, we figure out what it's going to take for you to get there. We lay out the plan, create the strategy, look at what the executables are. And now we never talk about money again. We simply <laughs> talk about how many people are you serving? Mm-hmm. How well are you serving them? And is that going to get you to the point of where you need to be financially. You know, Russ, it's so funny to, again, people, as we're recording this, um, we are face-to-face Zoom. However, you can see your mannerisms totally change. You're so excited about it. You're so passionate about it. So I love 
love that we've talked about this today and wow. So I have to, I'm just curious, what would be, what do you want to be remembered for? What do you, what would be your legacy? I wanted to be, I want to be remembered for leaving this place better when I depart than it was when I got here. That was another piece of advice that I got early on. And that's so in my soul right now. It's so in my core right now that I have a chance to make a difference. Mm -hmm. Um, I never, be honest, I never expected to live to the age that I am right now. I'm 60. Mm -hmm. And I feel like my time has to be more effectively spent to make a difference while I still have time to do it. Yes. So remember me that my goal and my intent was to leave this place better when I left than it was when I was, than what I was born into. Hmm. Yes. Agreed. Love you it. Know, it used to be about a job. Right. Now it's about my life. Hmm. I love it. And how can people connect with you? What's your website? What was your podcast again? How can they buy your book? All of that. So my podcast is a purposefully profitable podcast. And I would love for people to listen to, you know, a few episodes and and leave a review on what you thought about those episodes, even though they were done a while ago. I'm still going to improve them and I'm still going to provide more information. So that's the purposefully profitable podcast on, on Apple Podcasts or any other place where you listen to podcasts. <clears throat> it's out there on all those. I don't know why I have a frog in my throat. <clears throat> my book, Small Business for Service Members, 15 Things You Need to Know to Be Perf- Purposefully Profitable, is available on Amazon. Again, it's available in uh, Kindle as well as in paperback. If you'd like me to sign a copy, just send me an email and let me know, and we can work that out. You can reach me at uh, Russ at Sistro.org. That's my email address. And I love email. So please feel free to send me an email. Also, most importantly, connect with me on LinkedIn. And my LinkedIn is um, LinkedIn.com uh, at slash IN slash RC Barnes. And um, there are other Russ Barnes out there, but mine has my rank on it. So it's Colonel Russ Barnes. You can see mm-hmm. that on my LinkedIn profile. And of course, you know, my picture. So those are the ways that I would love to connect with. I do have a clubhouse club called Purposefully Profitable oh, uh, nice. on, on Clubhouse. And I will be leading discussions on that platform about basic business fundamentals. Mm. I'm sticking with basic business fundamentals because there are so many other clubs that are talking about the advanced fundamentals mm-hmm. and about the advanced theories and philosophies. But I want to reach the people who are interested in those those basic fundamentals. And yeah. I want to have those kind of conversations. And those, of course, will be based upon, uh, conversation will be based upon what's coming out of my dissertation, what came out of my dissertation, mm-hmm. the findings that came out of my dissertation. I'll, I'll be sharing those as well for feedback. Yeah. Just to make sure that we're able, people were able to apply those to great benefit uh, for their business and for their community. So I love that. I love the clubhouse. I may have to join you on that just because I clubhouse is new to me and feel free to join my clubhouse as well. It's called hashtag Firestarters. Awesome. And our topic is how to be fearless in pursuit mm-hmm. of what lights your soul on fire. Outstanding. Yeah, yes. I love, love it. it. I love it. Yeah. So Russ at Sistro.org, my LinkedIn profile and join me on clubhouse. Well, Russ, it is just always a joy and an honor and a pleasure to have you here. So thank you for your time and for being here. And I always like to leave with this question of what phrase, scripture, or mantra are you living by right now? Well, we've already talked about that. (laughs) (laughs) Live and learn, learn, then teach. Live and learn, learn, then teach. And I'm actually shaping, I'm reshaping, I'm in the process of writing a book right now. And, and I'm reshaping my, my framework from trying to be more of a storyteller to mm. looking at the, you know, sort of the professor on my, on my podcast. You'll see me, hear me reference myself as the purposefully profitable or the profitability professor. Yeah. And, 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 and I think that that brings a more authentic voice for me. Mm-hmm. And so I'm looking into that development of that persona so that I can live this model more effectively, live and learn, learn and teach. 
I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Well, I know that uh, your time is limited as, as well as everyone else's. So thank you for being here. All right. Yeah. Thank you, Shay. And I, if you enjoyed this episode, because I know you did, and you may even took some notes because Russ has dropped some nuggets like crazy today. Please go over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star review. That would really help us out. And as always, you can always find more resources at shaysparks.com. So feel free to connect with us there. And until next time. Don't turn this off just yet. Does the thought of collaborating and connecting with a diverse group of creative thought leaders appeal to you? Do you have a compelling story and don't know where to start? Have you ever thought about writing a book and thought about writing the whole book is overwhelming? Well, we are looking for you. We want to connect and collaborate with other podcasters, coaches, and entrepreneurs who want to gain exposure. We are looking for other people who want to co-author a book with us. You can find out more details at firestartersbookproject.com.